You are listening to the Solomon's Corner Podcast, a place for thinkers. Join us as we explore the depths of theology, philosophy, and the Christian intellectual life. Welcome to the Solomon's Corner Podcast. We are a place for thinkers. I'm your host, Daniel Roberts. Before we get started on our Father's Day Lessons from My Dad episode, we have big news. We just secured our first promotional code for our book club members. If you are not a book club member for Solomon's Corner, go to solomonscorner.com forward slash book club. If you are already subscribed, then make sure you use the promo codes that we send you in that subscription list for yourself or for your friend. This will help us make sure that publishers know our audience is worth investing in and help us grow our partnership opportunities in the future. Second announcement. There is an event in Chattanooga, Tennessee called Formed. It is for ordained Anglican clergy only. So if you're an ACNA priest, check out the link in the show notes. If you can't see the show notes, the link is redeemerchattanooga.org forward slash formed. redeemerchattanooga.org forward slash formed. Speakers like Hans Borsma, he's the editor of the Oxford Handbook on Sacramental Theology, Gerald McDermott, a former Anglican chair at Beeson Seminary of Samford University, and Phil Ashey, whose organization is the Anglican Legal Council, and many others. So, without further ado, happy belated Father's Day to you daddies out there. This podcast is going to be a fun one for me, because in a lot of ways, the lessons I learned from my mom and my dad prepared me for the project that is Solomon's Corner. For those that may not know what we are about, Solomon's Corner is a place for thinkers. Our inspiration comes from Catholic thinker A.G. Sertiange, the intellectual life author. There's an actual book called The Intellectual Life. While Sertiange's thought is foundational to Solomon's Corner, It was my parents who prepared me to be filled with his wisdom and implement it into the service that you are now consuming. Time will tell if we did it successfully. For those unaware of what Psalms Corner is, now is a good reminder, as it will be a good intro into the lessons I learned from my father. Our culture and our churches are in a state of spiritual adolescence, anti-intelligence, meaning they are childlike in all the wrong ways. Those who may have found the anti-intellectualism of the culture or their religion to be stifling or hurtful are the people we aim to serve. We believe that your intelligence is a gift from God that should be stewarded the same way as any other gift from God, with wisdom, responsibility, and with the goal to honor him with your gift. We are a business, and that's an important distinction because a lot of nonprofits out there, we're different, and so that means we want to take your money for our services. Full disclosure, we aim to create mature Christian content for mature thinkers. We are Christian, but that is because we think that is the truth and therefore the best foundation for a proper intellectual life. God is man's highest aim, and Christianity provides man with that aim and the means to access it without checking your mind at the door. We're not puritanical. We are normal. And thus, you may occasionally hear a a naughty word, one of those words for the old boop on this podcast. Not because we think it's bad to swear, but because the comedic value a censor beep offers is priceless. Man should know when to use swear words and not use swear words. There will be a podcast on that at some point. But let's get this started. There are four lessons. No, 
Let's make a five lessons. My dad taught me through action. I believe that you will find each of them meaningful. If you had a dad like mine, then this will reiterate the importance of godly virtue in your own life as you cultivate a godly thought life. If you didn't have a dad like mine, well, then you're tough out of luck. I'm just kidding. If you didn't have a dad like mine, this will serve as a pattern for blazing a new trail for you and your own family. Before I begin, I want to state this clearly. Many persons from different walks of life have crossed my path. They have complimented me on my values and my reasonableness. It needs to be stated that this was not due to my advanced education or meditation techniques in the closet for hours on end or seminary studies. It was largely due to my parents investing in me spiritually and intellectually with the best they had to offer. I am only the product I am, like all of us, due to the primary force my parents had in my life. Today, I want to highlight the impact my dad had on me in preparing me to lead an intellectual life. For those who feel like that introduction was incredibly scripted, it was, and the rest of this show will probably not be, but I still have my notes. So, how to spiritually lead your family? I come from a family of six kids. On more than one occasion, my brothers and I have talked about my dad, and this is probably an awkward moment for him if he's listening at this point and didn't realize that. But yes, we talked about the lessons that our dad gave us. One that has come up frequently is how often my dad read his Bible. Every morning, he would wake up before us. I wish I could say I do the same for my kids, but unfortunately, my kids are my own biological alarm clock. But my dad was not this way. He was a builder. He still is alive, by the way. I don't know why I'm talking about him in the past tense. He's alive. Hi, Dad. This is for you. And when we were kids, we would come downstairs around 6 o'clock in the morning, and our dad would be there reading his Bible on his lap. This was not a legalistic routine, but this was a routine of his. Occasionally, we'd come down, and we would find that he had already left for work. He was a builder, and he would have to go to job sites on a regular basis early in the morning. He did, and to my knowledge, still does this routinely. And again, this is not legalistically. For us kids, he led by example. He definitely expressed to us the importance of the Bible in our lives, but it was demonstrated as important to him because of his dedication to its reading and study. On more than one occasion, we would also find him praying for us when we came downstairs. He trusted the Bible in addition to reading it, and he lived by it. And when dilemmas in movies, television shows, or sermons, or his own life came up, he would regularly reference a Bible verse to support his reason his decision, or the thinking about the particular dilemma that he had. This is an important lesson, especially for us intellectual types, because we may want to provide our child with reasons that they are unprepared to listen to. When the answer they really need to hear is, well, because the Bible says so. In the apologetics community, a lot of people feel that they have to give the evidence for the resurrection to their kids, or they have to give the scientific arguments for why God created the universe. But when kids are young, like I was when my dad had these conversations with me, it's sufficient to give what the academic types like to call a presuppositional apologetic to your kids, to offer them the trust that you have as an example for the Bible. And this is what my dad did for us. And this is what I do with my kids. When my kids have a tough question about the reasons for why we trust the Bible, we do our best to answer them. But for now, at a young age, because it's God's word, is sufficient. 
This sufficient answer was demonstrated by my dad, and when we became older and started being asked questions by our dad, like, well, why do you think that the pastor was wrong on what he said? Why do you believe that Bible verse means what it means? He expected us to provide reasons for it, oftentimes countering with another Bible verse of his own and playing the role of devil's advocate at the dinner table. More on this later. When we got older and started going to public school, it was expected that we would read at least a few verses from the Bible as a family and pray before we went into what mom called the war zone. And before we would go out, my dad and my mom would pray for us every morning. It may have been a quick prayer, especially if you were late, but we prayed every morning before we went to school in order that we would stand strong with whatever the world might throw at us that day. My parents knew that there was a world out there and that it would do whatever it could to take our souls for its own purpose. My dad and mom both recognized that the best defense against this worldly force was to equip us with biblical knowledge, wash us in prayer, and act as the priests of our family, emulating God's love, discipline, and forgiveness. This was effective not because it was intellectual, but because it was a faith well-lived. I encourage you to live out your faith in the same way. Make Bible reading a priority. Trust it and teach your kids to trust it. Then live it out for them to observe. Eventually, they will have to make their faith their own, but if you did what my dad did, they will have a head start on that process. The second point that I learned from my dad, and again, if you haven't figured this out, these aren't necessarily lessons that my dad told me directly. You got to read your Bible. You got to seek knowledge. You got to do this. You got to do that. These are things that he taught me through his action that I've observed and upon reflection have found them implemented in my own life almost by osmosis. And if you listen to our last episode on virtue, they become virtues that I aim at because they're in my dad and I want them in me. My dad would seek knowledge. My dad loves knowledge so much that as a kid, he would be caught reading the encyclopedias while his brothers would read comic books. This became a joke in our family as our dad regularly would cite some obscure historical fact or scientific reference that we would all mock him as kids by pushing up our glasses and saying, Ah, according to my knowledge of history from Encyclopedia Britannica, that is correct. Or something like that. Occasionally, he would shock many of us with finding out that a magazine had published something that maybe the military didn't actually want published in the magazine. The irony in this is that we children thought we were so funny when we would make fun of our dad for this quirky habit he had of always having a historical fact or some sort of scientific fact right on the tip of his tongue, ready to be applied to whatever the conversation was. Today they call it ADD. Back then we just called it nerdy. But in actuality, my dad had a mind full of intellectual treasures that he could retrieve at a moment's notice for a conversational reason, a comedic reason, or a tutoring purpose. He regularly would use his knowledge to teach us some lesson from history, especially World War II, or, if it was sci-fi, Star Trek. When he wasn't reading his Bible, he was reading something about history, science, or watching a documentary, or some form of educational content. We didn't appreciate it at the time, although I think we did, deep down, because when you make fun of somebody, they say that it's because you love them. So there you go, Dad. If you're listening to this, you know that we really just did it out of love for you. (laughs) But in all seriousness, we didn't appreciate it at the time because we were young. We didn't know what value it had. But in seeking knowledge, Dad demonstrated himself to be someone 
we could go to for wisdom and advice, especially when it came to navigating the landscape of university as the only Christian serious about living his faith publicly. When a father seeks knowledge and demonstrates that an intellectual life is something of value, he's doing his children a service. My dad would regularly tell me, as an athlete, work on your body, but don't forsake your mind, because your body will fail, but you will have your mind till the end of your life. And that is something that I'm desperately trying to catch up on. I didn't do a great job in my undergrad in college, but I did do a good job in my seminary studies, largely because I took this to heart. And if my dad didn't demonstrate it to me, I may not have been able to do it. And for those of you who are wondering, I did graduate magna cum laude. I'm just kidding, but I did graduate with one of those lauds. The second value that my dad taught me is the third. Ah, good thing I have my wife there to correct me. Yes, you're right. Yep, yep. Number, number three, tree, as I like to say to my, my children, how to be a power couple. Thursday night would roll around. My mom would be at the church leading a ministry for young girls. My dad would be on duty at the house caring for us little rugrats, which meant pizza, turn out the lights, and play the aptly named game of Chase. This meant that my dad would literally be a monster in the house, chasing us for almost two hours, which is pretty impressive. I can't do that with my kids. So looking back, I'm very appreciative. But while mom was away, the kids and dad would play. My mom could depend on my dad to enable her to use her gifts of ministry for other women and for us kids. Additionally, he was a dad that enjoyed being with us, and we enjoyed being with him. Occasionally, Thursday night might turn into a bloodbath between Jean-Luc Picard and the Klingons, but I must have blocked that part out of my childhood. On a more serious note, though, the way my dad led our family is something that I have taken into my own. My own family, that is. My dad would regularly tell us that he had the responsibility of the family on his shoulders, and that didn't mean that he could make any decision he wanted to, but it all, that all decisions were made with the knowledge of his quote-unquote second-in-command, or my mom. My dad instilled in me that as a man, a father's job is to protect his family, care for his wife, and lead us by his example towards the ideal way a family should be led. This is accomplished by consulting and deciding with your wife, not making decisions in isolation or dictating to her one way or another, but making sure that she understands that you bear a spiritual responsibility that she doesn't and that you should take that responsibility seriously. A practical example of this is Solomon's Corner. I wanted to start this about five years ago in my youthful, energetic, determined self. My wife wasn't ready. We had twins, our life was upside down, and it wasn't the right time. Despite the fact that many spiritual leaders in my life encouraging us to do cultural engagement, I couldn't make the decision without the support of my wife. In short, I was able to make the right decision to wait and be faithful to God in bringing my wife and I to the same decision at the right time. My dad taught me that a man who has the free support of his wife rather than the forced support of his wife will enjoy the journey they embark on together regardless of the success that journey brings or lacks. In other words, husbands lead your wives the way that Christ leads the church. Well, the verse actually says, love your wives the way that Christ loves the church. And one of the ways he does that is through leadership. And this is something 
that my dad emulated for me. It's one of those things where you read the Bible verse and you're like, what does that mean? And when you have a dad that shows you what it means with his actions, it's invaluable. And that's what my dad did for me in this area. The fourth area that my dad really led and demonstrated by example was loyalty to his church. My dad has been at the same church for longer than 30 years. My mom and him have been there through good times and the bad. They've seen a lot of pastors come and go. This is not to say that a person who stays at their church is virtuous by default. Sometimes you do need to leave a church. Loyalty is a virtue, but as my dad always says, any strength taken to an extreme is a weakness. Like a marriage, a commitment to a church should not be taken lightly. While my dad and I are in different traditions at this point, it was my dad's loyalty and spiritual growth that he experienced in the Baptist tradition that enabled me to recognize that same kind of growth occurring in me and the Anglican tradition. As my wife and I spoke with priests in the Anglican tradition about our role as parents, I knew that the church we were considering to join would enable me to lead my family the way that my dad had led his, as the spiritual leader of his home. Should this church go through difficulty or hardship, I had my dad's example to follow that said, Ask not what your church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. My dad continues to serve his church faithfully and is an example to anyone who desires to live a Christian life and instill the value of church in his family. As my good friend Jim says, all churches need godly Christians in them. Well, I know of at least two in the Baptist church. In case you're wondering, it's my mom and my dad. Work out your faith in fear and trembling. This is the final lesson that I want to talk about today, because obviously over 35 years of being the son of, of my dad, whose name so remain obscure for privacy reasons, um, I could go on about a lot of lessons, but we've only got 30 minutes, so I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Final lesson, work out your faith in fear and trembling. My dad never let us off the hook with a because the Bible says so or assume that a pastor was in authority simply because he was behind the lectern or a pulpit. Earlier on, we talked about how it was good that my dad gave us these easy, digestible reasons to trust the Bible. It's God's word. Don't you want to trust God's word? If it's from God, why would you not want to trust it? But later on, as the world began to ask its questions and nature began to prompt curiosity, those answers would not suffice. Early on, my dad would permit childish answers because that was what our little minds could handle. But in his wisdom, he knew that the world would eat our lunch if we approached it with this childish response when we were older. When it came time to spiritually spar, my dad would, in a loving and playful way, but not in an easy way, challenge our beliefs, and we were spiritually body-slammed more than once on Sunday afternoons. What happened on Sunday afternoons, you ask? Well, let me tell you. On Sunday afternoons, my dad would open with prayer. Then, after a few bites, he would say, So, what did you guys think of the sermon? Did you agree or disagree with what the pastor said? And for those of you who can't pick up on implication, this is lunchtime. This was a regular occurrence at the dinner table on Sunday afternoons. We would go around the table, providing our reasons for why we thought what we thought. And our dad would quickly dismiss our passive arguments until we were fully engaged in the battle. On more than one occasion, we would become frustrated and say, well, what is the answer then? 
Upon our childish gasket bursting, my dad would demonstrate there really was a point to his madness. There was a thread of truth throughout the entire ordeal, and that he was aiming at it all along. We were just too young and foolish to see it. As we began to age more and more, we would get a proud look from our dad with the answers, that's right. If we ever gave the answer, because the pastor said so, dad would follow up with the counter like, how do you know he's telling you the truth? Just because there is a man behind the pulpit doesn't mean that he's correct. He could have made a mistake, or worse, he could be lying to you. In other words, my dad instilled in me that I needed to work out my own faith in fear and trembling. And when I turned 18 and was out of the house, that is exactly what I started doing. I was at a boarding school by myself. No parents around, no Christian teachers, and the questions came from the students and the teachers. And I can remember in my dorm having to decide whether I was going to be a Christian because my parents told me to be, or whether I was going to be a Christian because I actually believed it. And I chose the latter. And from that point on, I started trying to figure out the answers for my own faith, trying to figure out how to answer my roommates' questions, or my classmates' questions, or my teachers' objections, and doing my own research along with my homework. This is something that all parents should be doing, especially in light of what's going on in our culture. When my parents were raising us, the culture was not nearly as bad as it is today. What we need to be doing for our kids is what my dad did for us. Ask your kids what they think of God, the sermons, and the Bible. Not all the time, but every Sunday is probably a good start. Challenge them, not randomly or without purpose, but with direction. This means you as the dad have to know what you believe about God before you can guide your children to an understanding of God. And this would also be true of a mom as well who does the same thing. If your kids are little, start reading the Bible with them. Then afterwards, ask them what they think. Also make sure that you kind of censor those crazy parts of the Bible that they may be too young to understand or you just frankly don't have the vocabulary to explain to as a small child. What I'm talking about is like those uh, Old Testament prophets. You know what I'm saying? You got it. Okay. But start reading the Bible with your kids and ask them questions about what they think. What words do they not understand? What words do they need more clarity on? Ask them to Treat it like a classroom setting and raise their hands if they're really young. You will be surprised how much they observe and the kind of questions they will ask. This is something we do with our own kids, and they are always, well, not always, but 90% of the time, they have something ready to ask. And now they've even gotten to the point where they actually have their notebooks and start taking notes, and our kids are fairly young. This will challenge you in your faith as well as you enable your kids and demonstrate to them what you do when you don't know the answer. You teach them by example. This is something that my dad did for me. My dad is a godly man. And for those of you who are listening while you're doing something else, just to be clear, he is still alive. A lot of those past tense descriptors earlier on may have led you to think that he is in the grave. He is not. (laughs) But he is an example of what it looks like to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. He is the man he is because of his embrace of his wife, a.k.a. my mom. They reared me and my siblings with fear and trembling of God, although maybe of us too, though they never let on. 
Today, I hope that you will recognize the value of reading your Bible in the mornings, privately and together, seeking knowledge and demonstrating this example to your children. If you're married, being a teammate with your spouse and demonstrating what real unity and real leadership looks like to your kids. Being loyal to your church, even in the good times and the bad. And working out your faith in fear and trembling and encouraging your kids to do the same. These are the lessons that I learned while watching my father as I grew and he grew older. I hope that you will take these lessons and apply them to your own life and reap the same benefits that my dad reaped in me and my brothers and sister, and that I am trying to reap in my children as well. I'm Daniel Roberts for Solomon's Corner. Keep thinking.